This is the Tribune Audio Network. This is the Backstory Podcast. I'm Larry Potash. On this show, we uncover the backstory behind some of the most intriguing tales in history, culture, science, and religion. In this episode, it sounds awful, but it's becoming more and more popular, awful or awful cuisine. What is it, and how did it come to be? Here is the backstory. From 1850, Fulton Market was the crossroads between livestock and dinner plate. After a century of open-air markets and bloody butcher aprons, Fulton Market has transformed to one of the trendiest areas of Chicago, featuring a number of gourmet restaurants, like Publican. Anyone could do pork chops or add bacon, but what about the pig's head? They made this sort of Italian-style head cheese called Testa, and I thought, well, if we call it Testa, then maybe people will order it. The one constant in Fulton Market over the decades, odd cuts of meat. And it's spreading beyond the butcher shop. Okay, so we're gonna make two things today. We're gonna make our calf brains on toast, and we're gonna make our grilled sweetbreads. It sounds awful, and it is. Spelled O-F-F-A-L, it gets its origin from various languages, meaning rubbish or animal waste. Whether you pronounce it awful or awful, Chef Michael says, trust him, this is not your grandmother's blood sausage. He insists awful can be delicious. It's like a poor peasant food becomes elevated because some restaurant or chef uh, resurrects it from obscurity and then features it in a way that seems new and, and exciting. Before it's all melted, lay our brains right in there. Chef Michael Simmons at Cafe Marie Jean in Humboldt Park is one of the many chefs taking on a serious culinary challenge. The brown butter sauce for us is really key to this. By bringing old school cooking back to the kitchen. Check the old toast. Calf brains, pig ears, chicken livers are making a comeback. They have the texture of like somewhere between custard and a soft scrambled egg. From cultures around the globe dating back hundreds and even thousands of years. Just gonna carefully place them right on top of that piece of toast. From gizzard stew in Rio to spicy cartilage in Calcutta. See, as soon as it gets spun into the sauce, we're pouring it on top of the brains. So it's this bright, fresh green, and you can smell the lemon juice. Evidence shows humans start cooking meat about 400,000 years ago. Whether innards or entrails, it all sounds inedible. But animal organs store fat, giving energy for hunters. That's the tail. I think we talked about eating the tail a little bit. They're delicious. In fact, in many cases, animal organs are more nutritious than prime cuts. So they got the hearts and the kidneys, and they got the intestines, and they got the livers, and all of those sort of organs and innards and things that didn't seem immediately appealing. And everything gets used, and, and they would find ways to make these things delicious. And that's how they ate, that's how they got protein, that's how they got that energy, that's how they sustained themselves. So this is going to be a beef heart. 
Uh, these will get cleaned up. All of this sort of white stuff will get peeled off. Levitt says um, while awful can down. be about survival, it can also be a delicacy. And that was true even in ancient times. More than 2,000 years ago, fattened goose liver is mentioned in Athens. Black pudding from ox blood is found in Rome. Spartans rely on pork broth with blood before battle. Emperors demand flamingo tongues, peacock brains, and even camel heels. The snout-to-tail approach includes bone marrow and connective tissue. Offal started to become more of a, a fine dining thing. You would go to fancy restaurants and you would see things like chicken livers and you know sweetbreads are on the menu at fine dining restaurants all over the world. So the sweetbread is the thymus gland. Um, and there's one that sort of sits by the, by the throat and there's one that sits by the heart. And we're gonna cook some of these up today. But we've learned to use euphemisms to conceal those parts we'd rather not think about. Testicles are known as cowboy caviar or prairie oysters. These guys are starting to brown up nicely. Head cheese isn't cheese at all, but something like a meat jelly made from a pig's head. Along with concealing the substance on the menu, cooks camouflage the flavor with special sauces. So we're gonna mix up our salad, the sunchokes and the celery leaves, and we'll add a little salt to that. It was a staple of early European settlers in America. And then to finish it, we'll just kind of pile our salad on top. And I think that's why it's still such a popular thing, is because it, it sort of identifies as comfort food and as tradition and as a very familial thing. The sweetbreads with sunchokes, sunflower puree, little apricot mustarda. In the late 19th century, a surplus of livestock means people can afford prime cuts of meat and don't have to rely on offal. During the Great Depression, canning puts it back on supermarket shelves. And Morton Salt publishes a book on how to raise and butcher your own hog at home. During the war, you'd find canned offal in bomb shelters. Despite its long history, it's not a family favorite in America, but that is starting to change. For our sweetbreads, we've been grilling them nice and slow over a little charcoal. So we like, they're getting a little bit of char on them. It's hardwood charcoal, so they're gonna taste smoky. People don't dine to survive. The restaurant business has transformed from fast food and mediocre meals. Some leeks and green onions and, and grilled sunchokes. To a gourmet experience that is artistic in its flavors. And then we're gonna add, of course, our good friend Butter. As well as its design. So much so, we feel the need to photograph our food and share it with everyone. Whoever thought an entree of liver or kidneys would make a pretty picture? I'm just gonna let that butter melt in there and emulsify a little bit. And I just love how brown and pretty and charred these look. More chefs are taking pride in trying to use the entire animal. Mostly just respect for the farmers. You know, we always kind of half-jokingly, half-serious say that, you know, a farmer can't just raise a pork chop, they have to raise a whole pig. So if they're gonna raise a whole pig, then we'll commit to it. Our philosophy is that the food has to taste good before anything else, so it doesn't matter how weird it is, if it doesn't taste good, we won't sell it. All right, and no matter how weird it is, if it does taste good, we'll figure out a way to get it on the menu. In the last decade, diners have come to be more daring and more trusting of chefs to deliver something special. When it comes to offal, there's enough variety of textures and flavors from pigs, sheep, 
and even fish. The cool thing is that those cuts are gonna be just as, if not more flavorful, and they're gonna be less expensive. That's how the conversation starts. And that's how we get people trying new things. And that's probably the most fun part of the job. Not the adventurous type to try brain brioche, frightened by monkfish liver. Offal has played another role in history. You can use it as fertilizer to enrich soil and grow yourself a nice salad. The old butchers and meat packers of a century ago might recognize the brick buildings and the odd cuts of meat are still here. But what comes out of the kitchen would surprise them. Fulton Market is now a place for artists whose innovation has helped awful evolve for a new generation who may not need it to survive, but is ready for something new even if it's thousands of years old. Thanks for listening to Backstory. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast or leave a review. To watch our full coverage of this story and see some that didn't make it to the podcast, visit us online at wgntv.com slash backstory. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.